Welcome to the Crux Podcast and Sermon of the Week. For more information about the Crux Ministries and Summit Church, please visit us at summitsanmarcos.com. All right, guys, let's see. Do I need the mic, do you think? Yeah. Yeah, mic? Awesome. All right, guys, well, I think I, I am just so excited for what just happened up in this building. Um, I think to begin, I would, I would like to re- just call to remembrance two quick things that happened today. Um, the first call to remembrance would be what Pastor Taylor just spoke about maybe an hour ago, um, that we have to be up at 6 a.m. Um, the, 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 second, the second thing I'd like to call to remembrance was this morning when my wife Emily gave an amazing word um, about, about how sometimes the Lord loves when I'm long-winded. So I just want you guys to remember both of these things in unity. <laughs> no, no, I'm honestly, I'm honestly totally kidding about that. I, I, I really, what's on my heart so much for tonight is that I could really step out of the way as much as possible and pray that the Lord steps in as much as possible uh, for this next for this next word here. Um, I'm so excited, guys. I think that, well, one, I think the nap really helped. Thank you, Lord. But I also think um, just time with His Spirit, I think it really just brings us to life. Um, and I want to encourage you, like Pastor Taylor just said, um, we, we are in control of our hunger level. You know, it is really late. I really understand, you know. Um, but I want to encourage you guys, there's still more here. Yes. And I'll, I'll guarantee every time I've been at a crux camp, I have been more thankful for pushing myself through than being home and just being like, man, I wish I wouldn't have fallen asleep. Yeah. I wish I would have just gotten a little more. Because um, sometimes I digest stuff from crux camp all year, you know. And I, I just want to encourage you guys, like, maintain hunger. Um, but I also want you guys to be totally free that if the spirit starts talking to you in the middle of this, just go wherever he wants. Yeah. Like I'm really big on like, if yeah, you right. stop listening to me at some point, because the spirit is taking you somewhere, go where he goes. Um, but if the spirit or if, if something's taking you to angry birds or to sleep, like, you know, be hungry, check yourself and come back. Um, but I, guys, I love you so much. So excited for tonight. Lord, just give me. The words that you need me to release in this house, God, let me pierce hearts for you. And Lord, let us just have more of you tonight. We ask for more of your spirit to just pour out over us. And we thank you, God, for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome, guys. And so what I'm going to talk about tonight is having a passion for his presence. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always, I'm always kind of like extra like on edge when I'm like speaking specifically on the presence of the Holy Spirit. Because I grew up first like not anything and then Baptist, which was a little bit more conservative. But, you know, God bless our brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, yeah. But like, you know, when I started noticing some of these Holy Spirit things, I was really like, whoa. It was almost like a stranger danger moment, which it really shouldn't have been. Like, you know, I was already saved, but like the Spirit showed up and I'm like, whoa. Like, who are you? What is this? You know, and like, and like a Christian should not have stranger danger with the Holy Spirit. You know, like it should not, it should not be like that. But I want to encourage you guys that if that's where you at, that's totally okay. Like that's totally like I, dude, I get it. <laughs> I get it 100%. Um, but I want to encourage you that the Holy Spirit um, is a gentleman, but he's also intentional. 
You know, he will pursue you. He will try to get more of you, and it's so good. Um, and you, you don't have to have stranger danger. Um, but I want to just share a real quick story, if that's okay. Um, yeah, and so I, I just kind of want to, like, bring things up a little bit. Um, I mean, we're already pretty up. It's so good. But uh, back in, like, 2010, 2010, I lived on campus at Cal Poly. So anyway, I'm, I'm over there with a group of friends, right? And like one of the things, one of the things I loved to do on that campus was I liked walking around there like late at night. Um, like it was just really peaceful. It was really peaceful. The grounds were always really open. Uh, they had gardens on campus. It was just really beautiful over there. Um, and so I'd walk around and I'd pray or I'd bring my Bible and find a quiet spot by a, a lamp and a bench or something. And I would just kind of walk around campus. Uh, and sometimes I'd have my quiet times at like two or three in the morning, or I just I'd be all over the campus, you know. And I, I saw some strange stuff, but it was good, you know. Yeah. But anyway, God is so good. And and one time I, I made this group of amazing friends, and we kind of went around this group, each kind of picking something that they got to take the lead on to invite the friends into. It's like we had one friend that was really sporty or something like that. And it's like, hey, let's all go play Ultimate Frisbee. And everyone's like, that's not really my vibe, but let's do it together. This is something you're passionate about. Let's just go do it, which is awesome. You know, it's how I ended up hiking with David Knox. You know, like I don't like hiking, but it's like one of his love languages. And it's so amazing. And like, I'm really, I'm really happy I got to like share that with him because it's something my good friend really values is hiking. You know, and if I was unwilling to just step into that with him and see something that makes him come alive so much, I would have missed out on part of the friendship I have with him that I'm really happy I have that memory. You know, um, and so anyway, with that, at my campus, it was my turn up to to do a group activity, and I was so excited. But I had not led like basically anything in my life up until this point, and this was like a friend adventure. But I was taking it so seriously. I'm like, okay, I'm about to like lead the herd, and we're, I'm like literally going to guide them into something I love doing. And so I'm like, we're going to take a walk around campus. And so it's like 10 or 11 at night. And I'm like, all right, guys, like, we're going to walk around campus. What are we going to do? We're just going to hang out. We're going to talk. We're going to loiter. You know, like that's ultimately that is what I was passionate about. I'm like, we're going to, I'm like, I'm like, we're going to loiter like weirdos at like 11 at night on this campus. Cause it's beautiful out here and it's free and it's great. Oh. Um, and so we start, we start walking down, and this campus is huge, right? And it's like the second biggest like, campus, I think, in California. Wow. It, it's gigantic. Like, they have so much land. Anyway, so we're walking through, and I'm, like, so excited. And we get, like, halfway into the campus. And then I just keep talking. And I'm, like, walking in front of people because I'm, like, guiding where to go because I had all the spots. And I'm talking, and I'm, I'm going, and it's so great. And, like, 20 <laughs> minutes later... I just stop. I'm like, all right, we're here. And I turn around and no one's there. <laughs> Are you serious? No one is there. And I was like, and I, like, I, then I got kind of like convicted for a second because I was like, well, how long haven't they been here? Because <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, I'm out in this place that I could see for a while and there was no one. And then I was like, you know, I've been leading this conversation while we've been walking to what I thought was the stunned listening skills of all my peers. But I was like, I'm like, they could have left at any point as of like 25 minutes ago. And I never turned around. I wasn't listening for input. And I was just like, dude, I have no idea when they left. 
and I was, I was really sad. I was kind of emo. I like sat there, and it was like in this like, it was like in this rose garden at night, and it like, like, like the petals caught my tears, and I was like, oh, oh, all the, all the emo poetry. Oh, it was so good. No, no, no. But I was, I was really, I was really bumming out, and so anyway, after like ten minutes or so, I walked back to the campus, like upper parts of it. And I hear them, and I hear them laughing, and they kind of crept up and, like, snuck up and, like, kind of surprised me, which you guys know how much I love that. Um, but it, it was, and they're kind of like, oh, you're, you're awesome, but, like, you know, like, we didn't want to go all the way down there. And it's like, we thought it'd be funny if we kind of just saw what happened, if we just sort of let you go. And I was like, I was like, okay. I'm like, and in my head, I'm like, I'm a little hurt, but that's all right. But I was like, in my own head, I was like, it's, and like I told them this, I'm like, it's really screwed up that I didn't notice you were gone. I'm like, I'm like, this is not even, like, on you, I don't think, as much as it's kind of on me. Like, like, yes, you shouldn't have left me, but two, I really shouldn't have been the person that didn't realize you were gone for half an hour. When, <laughs> like, I was trying to, like, usher you guys into this thing I wanted to do, and I wasn't open or sensitive or aware enough to realize you weren't doing it with me anymore. Um, and that really was just like, wow, okay. How that relates to what we're talking about here, that's the end of the story, by the way. Anyway, I have loving, amazing friendships with all of them. Uh, two of them just had a baby together. They're married, so it was, it was great. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, all great friends. We all got healing. It was so good. Um, but when I was praying tonight, I was trying to figure out, like, what kind of story relates to this? Uh, like, the Holy Spirit. And I was like, yeah, my utter abandonment in the rose field. Like, that is totally where it's going. Um, and we'll get there. So... I'm going to just dive in here. That's my story. I'm going to be a little bit, yeah. Hmm. So I want to encourage us, as we're just thinking about what to be passionate about, are we passionate about Holy Spirit, about presence, you know? And I think that this is something that's sometimes hard to grasp onto because it's a little more ethereal by nature than like thinking about grabbing onto Jesus, right? We have all the stories of him written down here. We can like relate to him on some level as a human being part of him. You know, he's fully God and fully man. And we can totally like relate to the fully man part, you know? But I think when we get to Holy Spirit, it gets a little floaty and kind of like hard to hold on to sometimes. And it's like, how do I be passionate about this, like, spiritual, like, force and, like, you know, and, like, we come into an environment like this where people are getting healed and pulling words out and, like, trembling and laughing and falling and breaking. And it's like, what's going on? Holy Spirit's going on. And we're like, yeah! But then it's like, like, well, what is that? But, like, part of us is kind of like, okay. You know, part of us have been in it so long, it's kind of like, we almost, like, don't even kind of recognize sometimes, like, yeah, what, what is actually going on in the Spirit? Like, yeah, the whole, that's the Holy Spirit, but, like, what is, he, what is he doing? Why is he doing that? You know, and I, and I think about being passionate for him, and, and I think that sometimes if there's a part of God that I feel, like, most unfamiliar with sometimes, I feel like it's almost more Holy Spirit because it's harder for me to grasp onto sometimes. And, and I think it almost should be the opposite, where we're most familiar with the Holy Spirit. Wow. Um, because he's the one that reveals Jesus and reveals the Father in a way that we can understand. Mm-hmm. You know, like the only way that we understand, the only way that we can understand that Jesus is Lord is because the Father reveals that to us. And I believe he reveals that to us through the vehicle of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Like, I honestly don't think that there's really an understanding of who God is. Yeah. 
independent of the spirit. Yeah. I even think I even think I even think atheists that tap into it, I think the spirit kind of falls for a minute. You know, it might not hang out until they accept him as Lord, but it's like I, I wonder sometimes if the only time we actually can get who God is revealed to us in a real way is if the spirit is at work in us. Wow. You know, yes, Jesus does a work. Yes, the Father does a work. But I'm wondering how often we marginalize just what the Holy Spirit's doing in us to fulfill the will of the Father and to really do what Jesus set out for what the Holy Spirit to do when he left and gave the Spirit to us. Um, and I think that that's what I want to talk about is like, how do we be passionate about something that we might not know? How do we really devote our love and care and stir up this flame for something that we don't, we don't know how to grab onto. Good. We don't have anchoring points with. We don't really understand our history with them. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that God is so good, and he can meet us exactly where we're at. You know, a baby doesn't need to know all the ingredients of its little pureed mush food to know that it's feeding him. And he yeah. wants it, and it's good most of the time, right? So it's like, I want to also release you guys from any guilt. Like, you don't need to have the theology degree to understand the spirit. You know, like you don't at all. You don't need to know that. All you need to know is I'm getting fed. This is where I want to be. God is good. Even when it's hard, I'm going to eat it because it's good food and it's going to help me grow. But I think that something happens more as we develop and get older of like, if my wife makes me an amazing meal because she's amazing, like all of a sudden I'm like, wow, how much care went into this? How is it going to nourish me? This is, it's so much more than the pureed baby food. I didn't even understand. There was heart behind this. There's an intention for this. She wants me to have stamina tomorrow, so there's veggies in this. She cares for me long term. These are vitamins in here. This is going to help my colon in 40 years. You know? Like, but honestly, like, I'm being silly, but like, like, that meal means more, you know, when I understand more of what goes into it. And I think with the Holy Spirit as well, like, like more goes into it when we know more about what's really going on and who he is. You know, and I think one of the biggest things that I will be the first person to repent for in this room is I think that sometimes I use Holy Spirit as if it's an object, you know, and I repent first because that's wrong. It's really wrong. And what do I mean? I don't think like, you know, it's not like I'm running around trying to use the force, you know, it's like, it's like, it's like I'm Jesus's number one superhero here on earth. Like touch your heel. Bam. Oh, I'll touch you and you'll laugh or cry. Ha! You know, like, there's a huge honor and there's a thrill to be co-laboring with God and to be just part of what we're designed to do, which is to be vessels of the Holy Spirit with our spirit, coming alive, doing the works that Jesus wanted us to do as his bride. But that is so different than saying, I'm on my little power trip, or this is something I'm going to just stir up and ha! Yeah. You know? The heart is totally different. How we're using the spirit is totally different. And here's the thing that might blow you away. Sometimes the gifts of the Lord are irrevocable, which means if he releases you with a crazy gifting, you can maybe really abuse that, but still be able to function in the gift. What I mean by that is like, we we look at even in like the Bible, when they talk, I think Jesus talks about it in end times, and I know it's in Revelation, like these false prophets or false whatever, who will do great signs and miracles. It's like, dude, you can have a gift from the Lord, but completely abuse the heart or what it was made for, you know? And so that's what I want to be clear. It's like when we see these things of the Holy Spirit give, like break out, like it's not just about the gifting. If we're doing it for our own power trip, right? The gifts of the Spirit, the manifesting of the Spirit is so that the Lord is revealed more to us so that we can just understand him more, to be known by him. 
to be able to co-labor and step into our own destinies as sons and daughters of Christ to co-labor by his design. But that's so different than the power trip. And I think it's easier to power trip when we think of the Holy Spirit as this like, like almost like the green lantern power ring. It's like, now I have the strength and my willpower and I'll see a change here. You know, I have, I have Aladdin's little lamp that I'll rub it when things get hard and maybe a miracle will pop out. Wow. You know? Or I'm going to pull on him only when I need him. And then he'll go back in the little box in my head that's like my prayer corner when things get tough. The relationship with the Spirit, the passion for the Spirit is so much different when we think of the Holy Spirit as the person of the Holy Spirit. Wow. Yeah. You know? Like, like the Holy Spirit was not Jesus' little genie buddy, you know? The Holy Spirit was not something that Jesus abused. In fact, when someone tried to like blaspheme the Holy Spirit, he's like, that's the only sin that you're gonna have some you're gonna have a hard time with that. You know? Come on. Like you can speak stuff against me, but don't don't blaspheme the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus took the Holy Spirit as a really big deal. Yeah. One of the most life-affirming things for Jesus in his earthly life, I believe, was when he was baptized and the Spirit got to descend in a manifestation like a dove upon him. Yeah. You know, yeah. I honestly believe that. I don't, I don't know. I don't think that that's in Scripture necessarily, but I think it'd be hard for Jesus not to be profoundly moved by that. Yeah. And then to later hear the voice of the Father yes. speak affirmation over him. Mm. But I think that sometimes we can get it twisted. And I don't think, like, maliciously, like, I don't think any of you, I hope, are out there being like, the power is mine, ha! Like, you know, just for me, my glory. It's not like that, you know, with you at all. It's not like that at all. What I'm doing is the thing that we might do subconsciously, where it's like we kind of abuse it or we don't really critically think, like, this is a, a person. You know, it's, it's God. Just as the Son, Jesus, and the Father is God, it's part of the Trinity. He's part of the Trinity. But it's easier to kind of disassociate him from a person because it's a spirit, right? But Father, God's a spirit. But yeah, he has that Father part that I can identify to. But ghost? Spirit? I don't know. All I know is that something that fills me up and flows through me. I don't, it feels less personal somehow, you know? But he's meant to be understood, I think, as the person of the Holy Spirit. And I think that that's the way we'll have breakthrough in being passionate for it. Come on. I want to share some scripture real quick. I love that Jesus says this. In, 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 John, in John 14, Jesus is just talking to his disciples about some stuff he's going to do. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. The Spirit, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Oh, there's, there's so much good stuff in this. <laughs> First of all, I like that every pronoun Jesus uses for the Holy Spirit is he. Not it. Not this weird thing that is un whatever. It's like, he will come to you. He will be a helper. He will guide you into truth. He will not leave you. It says the world will not know him, but you know him. Because he dwells with you and will be in you. That's like the old covenant versus new covenant difference right there, right? The spirit can be with some people. The spirit can fall on some people. But after Jesus, after his gift, when he sends them, that can be in you. Wow. Right? Come on. And he tells that to his disciples. He will be in you. And I like how Jesus is right here. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you with his spirit. You know? I just, I think that that's so powerful. You know? 
I like this too. In Ephesians 1, verse 13, it says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. This talks about the nature of kind of where we're at with the Spirit too. It's like, again, in the Old Testament, the model of the Holy Spirit was he could come. He could rest like on you, you know, and be with you, but not necessarily be sealed in you. That's what Jesus did when we become sons and daughters of God, you know. I think it's wild. You know, and there's a difference too. I want to also be really clear here too. There's a difference between the Holy Spirit and there's a difference between the Holy Spirit with a manifest presence, right? Because as Christians, as believers, we have his Holy Spirit as our free gift of salvation. You know, we're filled with his Spirit. It's sealed in us. But there's still a difference when we have that versus when the Spirit really decides to show up and fall on this place, which I think we just saw a really good example of. You know, and I think that that's by design too. I mean, think of when Jesus said, when two or more gathered in my name, I'll be there. You know, I'll be there in spirit, right? Why would two or more of his children need to be gathered there to have more of him if they already had access to them independently, right? It's because I believe that there's a difference between the spirit that's in us and what can happen when the spirit decides to fall more with his manifest presence in our life, right? There's a different delineation between where two or more gather. You know, I mean, there's more. There's more of him. There's access to more of him, you know? But he's a person. Oh, there's just so much good stuff. And, like, it's funny because some of the examples I wanted to point to tonight of why we should be passionate for the presence actually come from the Old Testament. You know, and I I thought that that was really weird because we have a more intimate grasp of the Holy Spirit now than they ever did. Because we have it sealed in us, right? But I think because of that, we've almost become blind to what a gift he actually is in our lives. You know? The things the prophets ached and petitioned the Lord for, we walk in this day as if it was just... What? You know? As if it was the camp high. As if it was the great thing to do on weekends or on Thursdays. But it's so much more than that. Life with the Holy Spirit sealed in us is so much more than that. I don't think there's anyone Old Testament that wouldn't have loved to trade places to just know what this could be like on this side of the covenant. I mean, other than they probably knew that they were made for such a time as that. (laughs) But I think that there's part of them that would dream to live in a day when the divine Holy Spirit of the Lord was sealed in their hearts and would not be, it would be irrevocable for them, you know? And you see their passion for their longing for what it was because their nature to the Holy Spirit in the presence was something that could be with them but could be lifted away. And what Jesus did was give us Holy Spirit sealed in us for all time. We're not orphans, we're never alone. But you can see the hunger and the desperation for Holy Spirit in some of these passages. So really well known one here, out of Exodus 33, it's talking about Moses. Moses is trying to figure out how to lead the people toward the promised land. It says, now, therefore, this is Moses talking to the Lord. If I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways, that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. He's talking about Israel. And he said, this is the Lord, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And Moses said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. Amen. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? Hallelujah. Mm. Moses' heart, the Lord says, 
I will go with you. I'll send my presence with you. For some people, it might be like, okay, good, we're set. Let's go. <laughs> let's get the boots. Let's, let's walk, right? For Moses, he has the boldness before God to say, like basically like, Lord, that's great. But just so you know my heart, if you didn't go with us, don't make us leave. Like this wasn't like a checkoff. Like, yeah, I'm going with you. Okay, cool, check. This is me saying, if you weren't going with us, I wouldn't want to leave this place. You know? That's how important the presence of God was with him. To the point where I have a lot of stuff to do. I have a lot of things around me. I have so much stuff to lead and to be and to do. And the Lord's like, yeah, I'm with you. And I think that that's where we could get lax. Modern day believers like, cool, he's with me. That's awesome. But it's the heart of Moses that I still want that says, okay, God, I'm so happy you're with me. If you weren't with me, I wouldn't leave. I want to be as one sent everywhere I go. Another one, it's in Psalms 51. It's King David's reflection after he, he cheated on someone, or he, he, what did he do? He committed adultery with someone's wife, got them right. killed, impregnated her, and then covered it all up and made, him one of, made, him, made her one of his wives, right? And it wasn't until Nathan the prophet comes up to him and tells him this veiled story that he's like, oh, that he kind of got convicted and it, it was brought to light and he was just, he just broke and went into repentance. And Psalm 51 is actually a snapshot of his, his pouring out to God through a psalm of his heart of brokenness and repentance before the Lord. It's an amazing psalm that has built me up most of my Christian life. But this is the part I want to talk about. It's in Psalm 51, verses 7 through 11. It says, Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You've broken me, now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence. And don't take your Holy Spirit from me. This is one of the most powerful things I've ever seen about King David, written by King David. Because it's the king. If there's someone in a kingdom that has a lot to lose, maybe the most to lose, don't you think it'd be the guy on top? He has the palace to lose. He has the influence to lose, the people to lose, the legacy to lose. He has every material, every social, everything to lose, right? He has the most to lose. And the thing in this psalm, the only thing he begs, don't take this from me, is your spirit, your presence. I read between the lines with that, and I say, I wonder if that's him saying, I don't care about anything else. It's not worth writing down. Don't take your spirit. I wonder if the heart of David is one that says you can take the crown, you can take the renown, you can take the jewels, you can take the treasures, you can take the legacy, you can take it all. Do not take your presence from me. Have mercy on me. Clean me. Give me everything I need to obey you. Give me everything I need to come into alignment. Give me everything I need for you to just remain with me. Please just remain with me. I wonder. The last one from the Old Testament, and this is where I feel like the Lord was like pinpointing to me tonight. We're getting closer to the end, guys. <laughs> you guys are so amazing. Are we still hungry? Yes! We're getting so close. This is what I felt like the Lord. This is this is what I felt like the Lord pinpointed to me. And it and it comes out of it comes out of Judges 16. Verses 19 through 21. It's in the story of Samson. Yeah, the strong judge of the Bible, right? 
getting donkey bones and slaughtering people and doing these gnarly, just crazy feats of strength, right? A guy characterized by his strength. In comes this woman, Delilah, who was trying to trap him, basically. But he says he loves her, and they're, you know, doing stuff together. But she keeps going after him, saying, hey, what's the source of your strength? And he says, oh, you know what? If you, if you actually tied me up with, like, seven fresh bowstrings, I'll be, like, a weak little, I, can't, I wouldn't be able to break out of it. So he falls asleep, and lo and behold, she has those seven bowstrings, wraps them up. Oh, no, Samson, the Philistines are here, which are, like, the big enemy of Israel at this point. He's like, oh, no, the Philistines are here. He wakes up, hulks out, rips out of the things, and beats them up. And I was like, wow, you must not trust me, right? <laughs> it's like, okay. You know, later on, she's just like, later on, she's like, hey, well, what is, what is actually the secret of your power? He's like, actually, you know, if you, if you tied me up with a fresh rope that had never been bound before, uh, you know, I would, I, that would, that would, you know, that would do it. Same thing, he falls asleep. She wraps him up. Oh, no, the Philistines are here. He hulks out and beats them all up. Once again, wow, you must really not trust me. The next time, okay, Samson, really, where is the source of your incredible strength? He said, actually, if you braid my hair, he said something like, if you actually braid my hair like this, I'll be just as weak as any other man. And I think that this is actually kind of interesting, but as you know, his lies are becoming closer to the truth of where his strength actually comes from. As if she's wearing him down and his walls against it are wearing down. And sure enough, they come in, he hulks out, beats him up again. And she finally gets in his face so much. He's like, you never trust me. You never trust me. And there's a verse that basically says, because he couldn't handle how much she vexed his soul, he tells her, I've been a Nazarite since birth. If you shave my head, my strength will leave me. I'll be just like any other man. And that's where this comes in. So Judges 16, 19 through 21, it says, Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head in her lap. And then she called in a man to shave off the seven locks of his hair. In this way, she began to bring him down, and his strength left him. Then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. When he woke up, he thought, I will do as I did before and shake myself free. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. So the Philistines captured him, gouged out his eyes. They took him to Gaza where he was bound in bronze chains and forced to grind grain in the prison. That's the only part of Samson's story we're going to read tonight. He has a terrible act of like, revenge and vengeance after this that's pretty crazy. But the Lord used him as a judge over Israel, so praise God. But for this snippet, that little section there where he said he woke up just as he, think, he thought it would be just like before. He's heard the same old song and dance. He thought it would be just like before. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. To me, this shows such a difference of heart, even between Moses and David and Samson, who were all used by God and for God's purposes. Two of them said, your presence needs to be so paramount. Moses said, I have a lot of people to leave, a lot of stuff to do, but if you don't go with me, if you don't go before me, if you don't take the lead first, I'm not leading anything. (laughs) I'm not leaving without you. I need you out front. I need you leading. I need, because you are what sets me apart. Wow. You are what makes this work. Mm-hmm. And David, in repentance, after messing up everything, has a heart that seems to say, you can take my kingdom, you can take everything, just don't take your spirit. Mm-hmm. Actually, give me everything I need to be pleasing before you again. Do anything you have to, just so you don't have to take this away from me. 
And then you have a man like Samson that I wonder how much he coasted on his gifting. I wonder how much he coasted on what the Lord gave him. And he ran at it. You know, and the Lord still kind of used him to achieve his purposes. But I wonder if he was a coaster. I wonder if he got relaxed about it. I wonder if his relationship with the Spirit of like, I know how I'm gifted. You know, I went through the Holy Spirit basic training. I know what my spiritual gifts are. I know when I'm the tool in the toolbox, it's going to get used over here. And I wonder if we're relaxed about it. Wow. And yeah, it's different with us. The Holy Spirit's sealed in us. I don't want to like, I don't want to confuse us, you know. He's not going to leave us. When we're his children, the Holy Spirit is in us and sealed with us for eternity. We have him, you know, until we are face to face in heaven. But I think that there's stuff we can still do that kind of alienates the Spirit's presence in our life. And I wonder if some of it is complacency and unawareness. Why do I think Samson coasted? Why do I think that he just assumed it would always be the same with how the Spirit interacted in his life? Because when it was gone, he didn't even notice. Wow. You know? And this is why I shared that story earlier. It's like I was so excited to do my thing. I was so excited to play my part, to be my lead, to share people with my goals and my things I loved and bring people into it. You know, and I was so sure I had the right idea. I was even said, hey, you get to be the leader tonight. You get to do this. It's all you. And I wasn't even aware what the most important part of that was sharing it with them, was doing it with them, was doing it so the way we talked about it so we could all do it together. And I didn't even know they were gone. I didn't even realize that they left me. The most heartbreaking thing about Samson was he didn't even know. He didn't even notice the spirit was gone. I would go as far as to say, I think that even as Christians, even in the New Covenant, when we have His Spirit sealed with us, this is a promise. How many of us would notice if He was gone? And if we think we wouldn't, do you think our lives would reflect it? What would our lives look like if, we, if the Spirit was somehow, if He could be? If the Spirit was off of our lives, do you think, would it look different? Maybe our church life would, but would our workplace? Maybe crux would, but what our family lives. Wow. And isn't that a problem since he's with us everywhere? Wow. And maybe he's with you everywhere and you're doing great, but how, how passionate are we to have more of his presence? Wow. Are we too full? Do we, you know? If we believe that every, every interaction with the Spirit is a revelation of who God is, wow. a revelation where he is known, an opportunity for us to co-labor with him in some way, should we be so unaware? I grieve for Samson. And I'm convicted by it. Is the Holy Spirit something that we can make a commodity somehow? <laughs> you know? Is he it, is it someone that's so situational that when we talk about church things and we're in church buildings... We're alive and he's there and you know, we fall under the corporate anointing of what he's doing and we feel it and it's great. And the rest of our lives have no like proof of it. And I'm not trying to condemn you guys, but I'm just saying we wouldn't do that if we were aware. Because how much harder is it? This is going to be kind of creepy. Let's say you're in your room alone. You see someone in your room. Like, wow, that person's in my room. You can be in your room the whole time and be very aware they're in the room, right? If you had someone in the closet and you're not aware, if they're gone, you don't know, right? So here's what I'm talking about with the Holy Spirit is, 
is the Holy Spirit someone who's, yeah, he's sealed with you, but he's in your closet. He's with you, you think, but he's like Schrodinger's Holy Spirit, where until you open the doors, you don't know if he's there or not there. He's kind of like the Holy Spirit that is and isn't there because I can't see him. I don't know. I know he's in the room, but I don't know. Or is he the someone that's on your bed where it's like, I'm not going to be able to go to sleep without addressing you. (laughs) I'm not going to be able to get to the kitchen without walking right past you. Are we that aware? Because he's a person. You know, some people share this, and I love this. Some people invite him into your car, your drive. Yeah. I think it was, was it my wife? It might have been Emily. She's like, I used to clear off the seat yeah, yeah, yeah. and say, Holy Spirit, sit right there. <laughs> Where I would feel weird putting drive through stuff or putting my bags there because I invited the Holy Spirit to sit there. She's like, yeah, it was kind of a silly exercise, but it forced me to start thinking, in this time I have with the Lord in my car, I'm treating him as if he's right there. Yeah. Might be harder to have road rage. Do do we treat him like a person? Do we treat him like a person? Do we talk to him outside of times we just need him? Do we talk about our lives to him? Is he our best friend? Do we go to him first? If the Holy Spirit was unimportant, I know Jesus wouldn't have done stuff like say, it's actually better for me if I go. It's better for you if I go. Because I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. You look at the works of Jesus and all the amazing things he did and who Jesus is. And we trust that Jesus is all-knowing and all-powerful enough to realize that he's making really good plans and decisions, right? If the Holy Spirit wasn't a big deal, he wouldn't have said something like, it's better for you if I leave and send him. He's super important. (laughs) So I'm getting ready to land the plane But I want to talk about just being passionate for his presence. But I want to talk a lot about a lot more than that. I want to talk about being passionate for him. I love talking about my best friends. I love sharing with them. I love going to them first. I love doing life with them. I love not ignoring them. I love caring about what they care about. I love when they show me something. You know? I love when they hear me out. I love when they know my dreams. I love when they actually encourage my dreams more than I even believe in them. The Holy Spirit is the most perfect person that does this in our life. We're promised Him when we accept Him through Christ and what He did. He's sealed with us. We are promised the most intimate best friend who will never leave us. We're not orphaned. We have, the, we have a helper, a Lord, the, the, our best friend everywhere we go when we accept Christ. And it's really screwed up if we ignore him. It's really screwed up if we use him as an object. How does it feel when you get used by people Come on. as an object just for your gifts, just for what you could give them? How much has it broken your heart when you may have done that to someone else? You know? How often do we do that to him? How often is he the, the genie in the box? Wow. How often is he, he's, is he the force from Star Wars? <laughs> and how often is he our best friend? You know, and I'm still growing in that too, Lord have mercy. But I notice the more I press into that, 
the more it seems like the most natural thing in the world. Like, I can go and hang out with Taylor, and it's like, it's the most natural thing in the world. Like, he could come over to my house, I can go over to them, and it's like, we'll be raiding the fridge and sitting there. It's like, we might not even say hi, and it's like, we're all just like, up in each other's stuff, and it's fine. <laughs> it's just totally natural, you know? Yeah. How many of us would be so alienated by the Holy Spirit if we just, you know, if we didn't have that history, if we didn't build that relationship, if we didn't have that awareness that we cared? Yeah. Or really received how much they care about us? And so I just want to just give a couple of practicals of how do we do that? And I, I promise I'm almost done, guys. We're, we're getting close. You're good. Keep going. It's only 11. <laughs> Not even. I just have a couple of practicals of how I think we can do this better. Just bring it, because this is such like a conceptual kind of message, I think, but I, it can be totally practical. Mm-hmm. A great way to improve on this is by disciplines. You know? Honestly, identify a time in your life where you either already make time for the Lord or you want to start making time for the Lord. Mm-hmm. And there's no judgments. Some of us might need help with that, and that's totally cool. Yeah. Some of us might need a new season or to try new things, right? If you already have a time, let's try adding this to it. If it's in the morning before you go to work, if it's while you get to bed, if it's, if it's on your commute, physically invite the person of the Holy Spirit to join you. He's already there. He's already with you. But physically invite him. If you really want to challenge yourself, pray it out loud. Be like, Holy Spirit, will you please come into the room here? If you really want to embrace it, pull out a chair and say, will you please sit with me? While I read your word. While I pray. The more you want to go out of your comfort zone, be like, I'm going to pray out loud to you. Because you're who I'm praying through and to anyway. You know? If it's in your car. Clear off that seat. You know? If it's at night, pull the covers over a little more. (laughs) Like, force the way you think to be more in line with who the Holy Spirit is. And that's a person of the Holy Spirit. Don't just think of him about something that he's not there when you're in the room talking to him. Do these physical things during your your times to start reinforcing in your brain, this is something real. This isn't a warm and tingly when I'm inside the church walls or up here at the camp. Mm. He's real everywhere I go. And I guarantee the more you do that and the more you grow with him, the more you're going to be able to hear him when things get louder. You're in environments like this. Like I had a ministering moment earlier and I felt like the Holy Spirit said something. I was like, wow, that's really weird. I've never done it in this context before. But I knew it was the Holy Spirit's voice. So my confusion wasn't like, was that just me or was that the burrito I ate a couple days ago? It was, I know this is the Holy Spirit, Lord. Let's talk about, I I guess I'm just going to pray this out because it's you. But I knew that from a place of intimacy with him that I knew what his voice sounded like when he spoke to me. And if you have a hard time with it, that's okay. It's a process. But Jesus said, the sheep know my voice. We have his spirit in us as believers. Let's listen for his voice. Right? That way when we're in crowded rooms, we'll hear that one voice. How do moms hear the one baby crying that's their baby? It knows that cry. How do we hear the one good shepherd? How do we hear the one God in the three parts of the... How do we hear that? We know that voice. If we don't know that voice, let's know that voice. But yeah, I think that's one practical way is do physical things that help train your brain to think in the Holy Spirit more of the way he actually is, which is a person. Something real. You know? 
I think another time too is kind of what I already talked about, which is make time to listen to his voice. And again, that's going to sound very floaty. So let's do it practically. If you want a new challenge or if you're not even sure what the heck that means, make some time, bring out your Bible, and say, Holy Spirit. Well, first of all, scoot over Holy Spirit so you can sit right here. And then say, Holy Spirit, open, open your word to me. Say, say, speak to me about something in here. Because I know sometimes I'll read five chapters of the Bible and get nothing more than, God, that was kind of cool to spend time, but I, whoop. Sometimes there's one verse. I'll start one verse and just get totally rocked. And I'm spending hours being like, God, you're so good. Or, wow, I want to know more. And I think the difference is so much when he breathes on it with his Holy Spirit. Because yeah. the, the word of God is living and active, right? Yeah. So let's practice hearing his voice. Go somewhere with your Bible and just say, Holy Spirit, make this come alive to me. Yeah. And watch how he highlights things on the pages or who makes you get stopped on a verse. Or you want to just know more. You get hungry for it, right? You want a different kind of challenge if you want to kind of grow in prophetic or something, right? Just say, God, give me a word or a picture or something for this person. Be in a safe environment, you know? Maybe try it out at Summit, you know? Um, be in a safe environment where people can encourage you and build you up if, it's your, if you're early with it. Let's say, give me a word and yeah. go for it. Yeah. Go for it. You know? And see what happens. Yeah. See if it hits with the other person. And if it wasn't, be like, okay, I'm still learning. Maybe that wasn't his voice. Or Lord, maybe when I think that that's you and you're speaking like that, maybe I need to keep listening a little more. <laughs> maybe the problem wasn't it was, it was or was not your voice. Maybe the problem was some kind of my interpretation or something. Mm -hmm. But get to know the voice. You know, um, I think that those are some of my most practicals. It's like, do stuff like that, guys. Yeah. Make it really real. Make it really practical. Start treating him like who he is. Yeah. You know, because he, he wants to be so much more. And I want to encourage all of you that, like, he's our free gift. The Lord calls him, Jesus calls him a helper. So I think it makes him really glad when he helps us and helps draw him into us. Yeah. We are not a burden to the Holy Spirit. But I do want to point out a verse, one last verse. I'm going to land on this. Don't worry. While I'm looking this up, just invite all of Okay. This verse comes out of Ephesians 4, verse 30 through 32. It says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Maybe I shouldn't have said that we aren't a burden to the Holy Spirit. Maybe I should say it's a relationship that he, he pursues gladly. He doesn't want the gift received for you. There's a cost to you, there's a weight to you, there's a, there's a price to love you, to love me like he does. And I think he does it gladly. My last encouragement to you, my last challenge to you, we're not going to break the Holy Spirit. But we might break his heart. There's nothing we can do to destroy the Holy Spirit. There's nothing we can do as his children to get him to abandon us, to leave us, to forsake us. When we accepted Jesus, he put us in a family. We're never going to break him. But I think we can break his heart.
not in a way that would stop him from loving us, but in a way that would make him grieve and make him, he'd feel sorrow. I want to encourage you guys. Let's get to know who this is. When he laughs, let's laugh. When he cries, let's cry. When he says, let's go, let's already be walking. We can't break him, but we can break his heart. But it's a heart that keeps pursuing us every single day. Who keeps loving us, who wants to be known by us, who wants to help, who wants to do all these things. Let's get to know who he is. So right now, if we can just stand up. I know you're really excited because this means our last lap. <laughs> awesome, guys. So the last thing I want to do, if you're, if you're willing, um, I think a great way to let this just take root in our heart, if it's good, um, is to just pray a prayer of repentance and to ask for more of the Holy Spirit and a deeper revelation of who He is. Is that okay? Yes. Because this is something that the bigwigs of the Old Testament would ache to have, who were grieved to lose, who were overcome to find. And as his children, we, we have him already. So all around the room, let's just say, Dear Lord, Dear Lord we just thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, walk into the room. Walk into the room. Mightily, more mightily than before. More mightily than before. Like right there. <laughs> God, we repent. God, we repent. Holy Spirit, we repent. Holy Spirit, we repent. For ignoring you. For ignoring you. For using you. For using you. For treating you like an object. For treating you like an object. And for not responding to your pursuit. And for not responding to your pursuit. Right now. Right now. We ask. We ask. That you would let us get to know you. That you would let us get to know you. Remain in us. Remain in us. And train our eyes on you. Train our eyes on you. Open our ears to hear you. Open our ears to hear you. Be our best friend. We just thank you, God. Thank you, God. Go with us everywhere we are. Go with us everywhere we are. Help us to go everywhere you go. Help us to go everywhere you go. Thank you for being my best friend. Thank you for being my best friend. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for setting the table before me. Thank you for setting the table before me. You're the best. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Crux Podcast Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit summitsandmarcos.com for other exciting content from Summit Church.